Hello and welcome to episode 108 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. In this episode, we have an interview with Frank Martin. Frank is one of the creators on Modern Godhood, coming to Kickstarter very soon. This is Matt, and I'm joined by my Constructing Comics co-host, Noah. Hey there. Frank, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about this comic? Modern Godhood is a crossover between my series, Modern Testaments, and Braden Cox's series, Reclaiming Godhood. The basic premise of it is his series... This is about the Roman god Jupiter that kind of fights bad guys and protects, protects the innocents. And my book is more of an anthology book that's about focuses on biblical mythology and biblical beings and various characters. So the way we fused the two is we took um, Jupiter and had him face off against different mythological figures. We got um, Revelation, the Beast from Revelation and the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and a lot of fun stuff. Very cool. So how did you and um, Braden uh, team up together here? So Modern Testament was originally published um, 2000, maybe 15, 14, 16, around that time with Insane Comics, uh, an indie publisher that ran a bunch of titles for a couple of years. Uh, They're closed down now, but uh, my book and Braden's book, Reclaiming Godhood, were two of the first books they launched in their very first line. So, and that was, so we known each other for a while. And when I finished Modern Testament, the fourth volume of the standalone by itself, Modern Testament, I was looking at various ways I can continue the series. And one of the ideas I had was to cross over with other indie creators and their IPs. Last year, I did a, um, a Kickstarter for a uh, crossover with Lou Cooper's Hollow Girl. We called it Hollow Testaments, and it's kind of the same theme, same format of having his, his character face off against other mythological creations. And I'm continuing the trend now with modern Godhood. Awesome. And uh, so earlier in the sort of the intro, did you say that you had an interest or you have done some, some prose work in the past? Yeah, I've had a a couple prose books published um, a couple uh, sci-fi, a couple sci-fi books, horror suspense, and I would say primarily I do that stuff more than I do comic writing, simply because comic writing is process. You're not, you're not by yourself just pounding out words. I feel like if I'm writing a novel, I can, it's really reliant on my shoulders, sitting down and just hitting the keyboard, getting chapters done, and then having that finished product that I crafted myself, whereas comics... You write, I mean, you write a script, you got to find an artist, you got to wait for art to come in, you got to wait for color to come in. It's kind of, it's a long process. It's not just the physical act of writing. So I would say definitely I feel more capable of, of connecting with an audience more as far as my prose work go, but I still, I love writing comics. I love reading comics. It's a very community. I don't have to tell you guys, it's a community oriented medium. So I, I love all that stuff and I'll, I will never stop creating comics. That's very cool. And so your background, so the, the, the series is focused on mythology um, and, uh, and, and there's, there's a lot of like, you know, crossover between myths and uh, from different uh, religions and different cultures and things like that. Do you have a background in mythology or theology or anything like that? I mean, not particularly. <laughs> I was a philosophy major in college, so I'm kind of into the the nuances of 
of big themes and big ideas which religion obviously embodies. And I got my, my kids distracting me in the background. So, but when I, I mean, obviously I love mythology. I love Roman mythology. I love Greek mythology. And biblical mythology kind of continues that tradition. So I'm not really, um, I'm not really religious per se, but I treat the mythologies the same way I would uh, an Egyptian mythology or Roman mythology or Greek mythology. It's just kind of the, the stories that I'm into, not necessarily the, 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 the dogma or the, um, the religion behind it. That's very cool. And uh, I guess uh, my next question is then about like format of your books and uh, the one we had to read uh, that you gave us to read um, had the, had two parts, like two major chunks, like two different stories. Is that a, is that a format that you stick to when you're writing comics? As far as modern Testament goes? Yeah. So modern Testament was an anthology series. The idea behind this was I really didn't want to do some big overarching plot or storyline that spans multiple issues. I wanted to treat these as short stories that take a character and kind of break that character down and focus solely on that character, giving it its time in the spotlight. So in order to do that, I had short stories, eight, 10, sometimes the shorter ones are five pages. And it just, it, you get in, you get out, you, you get acquainted with the character and then you move on to the next. And I, and I was glad to be able to continue that format with these crossovers that we're doing now. Yeah, it's very Hellboy. Um, or like, you know, very much so in that sort of universe, this, the structure of it all, um, was that sort of an inspiration for you? No, <laughs> I, I actually haven't read a lot of Hellboy. I'm kind of, um, embarrassed by that fact. I love the movies. I love the character. I love the kind of the idea of it all. I mean, it fits right in with what I'm doing, horror and, uh, and in kind of like biblical Christian mythology and all those kind of stuff. But I haven't really dived into it, so I'm a little bit embarrassed. I, I need to take my uh, my geek card away. Shame on you forever. <laughs> You're going to hell. Um, <laughs> comic hell. Yeah. There's just uh, so much. There you can't you can't read it all. It's impossible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I hear you. Uh, yeah. So I I have a question. This is a question that I often bring up when somebody says that they dabble in both uh, prose and comic writing. Um, what are some of the uh, some of the things that you have to be on the lookout for or some of the things you have to be more aware of when you're writing a, you know, a comics work as opposed to a prose work. Cause I'm assuming with a prose work, like, you know, you, you enjoy being very descriptive and, and going into a lot of detail, but in a comic, you want to, you want to provide the detail, but you also want to sort of like get in and out of a scene really quick. So like, so what are, so what are some of the differences you see there? Oh, we can talk about this all day. Um, so a lot of the differences, number one, when you're writing a script, you're not really communicating to a reader. You're communicating to an artist. You need to, so you're talking to one specific person about how he's going to craft a scene, craft a story, how he's going to display things in perspective. Because when you're writing prose, you create the perspective any way you want. There's no camera. It's kind of all in your imagination. So you can do 360 degrees every single direction, every which way, whereas comics, you're, you have a very limited window in order to how you want the story to be displayed. And then you need to communicate that to an artist that's then gonna bring it to life. So it's, 
it's definitely a visual, uh, obviously a visual medium as, as opposed to an imaginative one. And when you're doing that, do you, if, do you, do you call out shots like wide shot, medium shot, close up, or, um, do you, you know it's no, go funny. ahead. It's funny you say that because I, I do, I do but simply because when I'm reading a script and people don't do that, I get very disoriented. Like I, I, I don't know if people don't explain that at the beginning of their panel description, I don't know what I'm looking at or where I'm looking and I get a little bit lost. They kind of want somebody to explain that to me. And when I'm working with an artist, I say, you can completely disregard the fact that I put that in a panel description if you want to. You can draw the panel however you want. I just do that for my own sake. Mm -hmm. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, if it, if it, if it does work, great. If it doesn't work, uh, we can edit it and change it. But they know, my artists I work with know very well that they can just disregard my, my shot calling. But when I, when I ask people to critique my script, um, it's only writers that really have a problem with that. They say you should never do that because you're kind of pigeonholing artists. But artists really don't care. They'll, they're they're going to either listen to me or they're going to do their own thing anyway. So they never really, they never really complain about it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we might be similar in that uh, I don't always, I, know, I, I very rarely call out uh, like an angle or a perspective, but every once in a while as I'm, I'm writing, I might, I might envision something and I'll, I almost like term it as like, hey, I'm thinking this or I'm suggesting this, which is kind of seems like a little bit like what you're doing. Yeah, and, and, and really I just want the story to work. And there are some times where, yes, the only way the story can work is if you do it in a very specific perspective that I'm calling for. Other times I'm just doing it just to do it. And so if you do something completely different and it works, great. I really don't care. I just want I just want it to make sense. I just want it to work. And mm -hmm. that's really the most important thing. So Noah, as an artist, uh, what would you prefer every once in a while get a, get a suggestion or getting somebody to, to give you every panel um, what they what they what they're thinking or do you uh would you do or do you want just free reign um i like i like a little mix of both i guess um i usually prefer the the writer just to draw everything and then i critique it that's my that's my technique preference normally. you want the you want the writer to draw everything yeah just draw everything and then i'll, I'll tell them if it's good <laughs> or not that's, that's that's my normal that's that's how i prefer to work and then get paid so <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Sounds I do like good. a mix. Yeah, I do like a mix of things normally. Yeah. So Frank, um, did you do prose work first and then make a decision that you wanted to do comics work, or was it sort of like I, things starting at the same time? I did. I started prose work. I mean, I've always kind of been writing stories, prose stories when they when they make you do prose stories for assignments in like middle school or elementary school. And everybody's doing them and I really love them. And then I just kind of never stopped doing them. You know, everybody's kind of like, okay, I'm not doing this because I'm not supposed, I'm not obligated to do this because it's not a school assignment, but I still love doing it. So I continued on writing stories and fan fiction. And eventually I kind of uh, broke off and started writing my own original stuff. And I would say around college time, I was like, wait a second, I love writing these stories and I love reading comics why don't I just try writing a comic? So mm -hmm. then I kind of delved into that arena and, 
And I realized it's really not that easy. <laughs> it's not that simple to just, I mean, yeah, the basics of storytelling are the same as far as characterization and themes and plots, but the actual um, nuts and bolts of writing a comic script and, and executing it are, is, is, is a completely different skill set. Okay. Well, I have two questions for you. Um, first would be, um, what are some of the, the influences that you had uh, growing up making you want to be a storyteller? You know, I actually just did, um, I started this year, I, one of my, I guess, resolutions was I wanted to start writing blog posts on my website. And one of the ones I just did was about, Are You Afraid of the Dark? The TV the anthology show from the 90s. So that was a that was a big influence on you. I would say, yeah. I I kind of distinctly remember watching that, and I just started rewatching the, the old episodes with my kids because they just did like a rebooted one on Nick that just came out recently, and I mm -hmm. watched that with them, and they're like, I want to see the old ones now too, and I'm like, okay. So we started watching those, and as I'm watching them, I just realized these shows span the spectrum of just storytelling genres in general. There's their sci-fi, their fantasy, their horror. They kind of like, they go everywhere. And I feel like those are. So, uh, I realized uh, that watching this show really imprinted on me more than I, than I, than I thought before. Okay. So, uh, so then my second question would be when you decided that you wanted to, pursue writing and comics did you dive into sort of how-to books or did you dive into comics and try to reverse engineer them um i would say maybe a little bit of both i started uh in college when i first decided i wanted to to, to try this i i took kind of a, a comic writing class and that was my first experience in it i got peter david's comic writing book which I probably didn't read as much as I should. And then it was just a series of trials and errors of writing scripts to uh, having people tell me how terrible that they are. And, and, then, and then when you get stuck, there's nothing better than just picking up a comic and just kind of reading through it and seeing what other people do as far as how many words that they have in a, in a balloon, how many balloons they have in a page, how many panels they have in a page, how many pages there are in the comic in general, just general, really general things as far as how to construct the comic and how to put it together. And, and yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a little bit of both. Uh, very nice. So um, do you, do you tend to work in mythology or do you uh do you expand into to, to other genres i know a lot of your uh when you mentioned some of the pro stuff you were doing you mentioned a lot of genres but i didn't know if like for comics right now you're sort of sticking with uh you know putting myth uh mythology and like real world uh situations together or are you doing different stuff as well no i would say i definitely do different stuff i mean i'm i'm bunkered down to, into mythology for the time being as far as uh, going through these various modern Testament crossovers. But yeah, my, my in, I write things, that, stories that I would want to, to be told to me. So, and that really runs the gamut of everything. So I pretty much try to, to write everything and whatever kind of crazy idea pops into my mind if I think there's some 
semblance of a decent coherent story in there, I kind of run with it regardless if it's any genre, whether it's crime or, um, or space opera or high fantasy, whatever it is, whatever, whatever gets my, my juices flowing is what I kind of go with. That was going to be one of my following up follow up questions was, yeah. How do you pick the, the, the narratives of the characters? Like, you know, when you're, when you're looking at mythology and you're looking at all the different stories that are part of those mythologies, do you have a list of like, okay, these are the, my favorites. Uh, these are the ones I want to hit at this time. These are the ones I want to hit at that time. Or is it like you said, just sort of whatever you're feeling like at the time? Well, as far as modern Testament goes, when I, when I decided that I wanted to pursue this as a series and I, it was just, originally it was just going to be a one-off. It was just going to be one volume with three stories and that was going to be it. And the publisher said, do you have any interest in continuing this and doing more? And I was like, sure. And at the time I thought I got a whole pool of ancient mythology, uh, biblical mythology that I could pull from and have a never ending series. And then when I really started to look, I'm like, actually, I really don't have that many that I could actually work with. So, um, but yeah, over time I kind of compiled a list of things that I thought could be sort of doable. And, and then when I expired that list, I started turning to just general biblical uh, mythology stories, just, in general, like such as I did a story for, for The Advocator, which was basically a modern retelling of Noah's Ark. I mean, it's not like I took Noah and decided to, uh, he's not like a, he's not like a demon or an angel, but he is sort of, it's sort of a biblical story. So I decided to take it into my own kind of modern spin on it. Okay. Very, very, very cool. And, uh, of, out of all of them, which one has sort of been your favorite that you've written? Um, I, in the f very first volume of Modern Testament, I did uh, one on a demon. And the basic premise of this story, it's a very simple story. It's a, a, a demon possesses uh, a girl who's having trouble at home with her parents. And then through the, the process of an exorcism, her and her parents kind of come together and they reconcile. And, but the way I, I wrote the, the story through voice, as it's taking place, I had a voiceover narration of the demons from the demon's perspective and why he does the things that he does. And I really enjoyed writing this character and getting the demon's voice. He's basically like a, a snarky little shit, pretty much. <laughs> it's embodying his voice and being very witty and kind of, um, in, showing the perspective of evil and he tries to play it off like um evil's a good thing i need to be evil it's who i am but evil has a purpose so i really enjoyed getting in that head and and taking a very simple plot and expanding upon it into making it something that was quite entertaining at least in my opinion i like reading it <laughs> that's very cool and is, is that the same artist that you worked with on the new books or do you, uh, did you have a different artist on that one? I made it a point for, at least for Modern Testament, to never work with the same artist twice. Okay. So, I mean, I take, I've used other, I've used artists that I've worked with on Modern Testament on other stories and other stuff, other projects. But for Modern Testament itself, I try to make every single story have a different art style, have a different feel to it. So I'm never... Um, I'm never rehashing something. I'm always doing something new and something different. Okay. And I, uh, this is very similar to the question I just asked about the list sort of thing. 
um, do you sort of seek out an artist with a certain style for each story? Or are you just like, or do you just sort of, you know, look for someone that you can gel with and? Uh, Absolutely. With these stories, um, the story comes first. So the characters come first, the story comes first. I write the script. I get the real feel for the character um, and what kind of atmosphere I want to, to embody through the story. So once that's all in my head and I know all that, I then go out and try to find an artist that's going to replicate that and really bring forth that feeling that I want the story to have. And they vary wildly. So in some stories, they're very morose and they're very melancholy and it's got a real kind of um, down-to-earth artistic feel to it. And other stories are very harbored, so they're very, um, they're very rough and they're very raw. So it's, it's definitely, you get a very eclectic art, bunch of art styles when you read this book. That's awesome. So um, I have a question about the, the book that's about to come to Kickstarter. Um, so there's like, there's, there's three stories here. Um, and are you the, the scripter of the, uh, all three stories or did, did Braden handle the, the, the middle story? Uh, I, we kind of collectively came up with the ideas together. Mm -hmm. Um, I did the bulk of the script writing for the first and third story or a, a kind of the third story. We've kind of have a rough outline for what the third story is and we could kind of talk about why that is later. But yeah, the first and the third story are me and the middle story uh, was primarily scripted by Brayton. Okay, and did you give, uh, was that his idea or was the, the middle story um, uh, more of a, a collab between the two of you? I think they were all pretty much collabs. I mean, we, we worked together to decide, look, we want to challenge his character, Jupiter, in different ways. You know, we just didn't want to have, for instance, the middle story that he worked on was he fought the beast, the beast mm -hmm. from the book of Revelation. And it's a, it's a slugfest. It's a big fight. And we didn't want to have three stories that were just three big fights. You know, we wanted to vary. We wanted to give different feels to all the stories. So we, we looked for different characters that's going to challenge his Jupiter in, in new and interesting and different ways. And which is why I had a lot of fun writing the first story, which was Lilith. Lilith is not some big imposing figure that's gonna pound Jupiter into submission. She's kind of a sultry seductress. So, um, so I, I had fun kind of working that story and seeing how she's gonna toy with him and play with him and, and kind of wrap her, him in his, her world. So when he was, uh, when Braden was off uh, writing or maybe uh, flushing out that that middle story a little bit more. Um, was he consulting with you, or were you sort of seeing things um, more at the the completed stage, like a, like a full script and, and pages, or or how was that? How was that sort of? Um, I um well, the, as far as the story goes, it was it was very much a collaboration effort. As far as the plot, we spoke ahead of time as to what was gonna happen, what was gonna take place. And then he was the driving factor as far as the script was concerned. But once he was done with the script, I, I guess, quote unquote, um, edited the story or, or managed the story. I, found, I, got the, um, I worked with the artist and I was going over his, his pages and I uh, got the colorist and I was going over his, his work too. And I lettered all the stories. So um, I, I don't think I put that in the credits page. I, I lettered everything. 
Yeah, um, so I actually do have a question about lettering. Um, so since you brought that up, I think it might be a good time to cover that. Did you use that opportunity as the letterer sort of at that next to last stage or almost that last stage? Were there um, corrections or when you were seeing things on the page did you that you and Braden might have written out a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, once you saw it there and you were lettering it, did you, did you make changes at that point? Always. I always do that when I letter. And um, I talk to other writers too. And I get very lazy when I'm scripting simply because I know when I letter, I kind of edit as I letter. And so, which is why, why it gets a little bit annoying when, um, when people critique my script and they say, you have too many word balloons in this panel. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, edit it when I let her anyway. So I don't really care. I'm not really worried about that right now. I kind of, that's the, that's the lazy uh, writers editing when they just letter their own work and they're kind of just like, yeah, cut this, cut this, cut this, move this. Cause you, if you letter somebody else's work, you can't just start moving word balloons to different panels. But if it's your own story, you're like there, I have no room for this word balloon here. I'm just going to move it to a completely different panel. I mean, a, a letter wouldn't really do that without consulting the creator first, you know? And uh, where did you uh, where did you learn how to letter? Did, was that a self-taught skill, or did you uh, go anywhere to to learn that? That was that was good old comics experience. Is uh, Dave Sharp's my lettering guru? Okay, so you took the uh, you took the I'm guessing maybe the the the, the intro to lettering. Uh, is yeah. that what you took? Yeah. I am I'm an artistic um, technical moron. Just put it that way. So. <laughs> So I kind of started from scratch learning just pretty much how to work with um, Illustrator from bare bones without knowing, without any education, without knowing anything. So, and I, I'm not great, but I think I'm good enough to kind of, to kind of pass and not make this story at least not look God awful. Very cool. Um, it doesn't look God awful. Looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thank. It's funny because you you get. I actually lettered uh, the first story a, a long time ago when it was when it was done, and I've gotten better since then. So then, when I went to go compile the 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 sample that I sent them sending out to people, I kind of reread the story, and I'm like, "Eesh, I need to change some things. <laughs> this is not <laughs> some mistakes and stuff." It's amazing what just sort of the basics will will give you as far as lettering skills go. And I, I was just re-lettering a book I did with Matt a couple of years ago. And uh, I've learned just the bare minimum of what, you know, like from people, uh, what's the Blambot guy? I think Nate, Nate Picos or whatever his name is. I can't remember. He'll post like tips every once in a while about lettering. And it's amazing just knowing those basic things like, you know, the, the, the stem of the word balloons should be as wide as the, as, as big as the font is and things like that. And, you know, you got to make sure that, that, that height doesn't get in the way of readability and everything. And yeah. You know, it's, it's, lettering it's, is the most unsung part of a comic. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. we, could, we could talk about lettering theory all day long. It's, it's so, it's so weird because the whole point of lettering is that you don't see it, you know, right. it just endlessly blends into the book. So I mean, these aren't things you're thinking about when you're the casual comic fan. Right. When, you, when you've actual lettered a book and you know how to do it and you open up a book and you start 
uh, reading somebody's lettering work, you, you go, wow, <laughs> they did a great job lettering this book. I can't believe that. But if you don't know how they did it, you're just kind of like, eh, okay, next page, you know? Yeah. And even now, like just knowing little bits about it, there's so much to learn about lettering. And uh, I'm guessing a lot of it also just has to be, you know, reading comics and knowing what reads well, you know? Yeah. It, that goes with really anything. I know zero about coloring, but I'm sure if I took a coloring class and I learned how to do it, I'm going to appreciate the, um, the skill set a lot more. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But uh, I have to say yeah, your lettering is pretty good. Like for, for someone who like, you know, wasn't like, you know, that's not, you know, you're, you're not a, a designer by trade or anything like that. Thank you. Thank you. I actually, I'm a terrible terrible designer. So although, although part of the lettering class is, um, they teach you a little bit about design and, and logos and stuff. I still, I don't make my own logos simply because I'm just that bad. I have no artistic vision whatsoever when it comes to actual design and, and graphics and looking at stuff. I just, I don't know. I just can't, I just can't do it. <laughs> So, um, sticking with lettering, I, uh, I, I felt like with the middle story, you, you, you switched up, uh, like fonts and, and word balloons a little bit more than you did with the, with the first story. And, uh, was that sort of a function of, I think you said earlier that like you learned so much between, uh, the first story and as time passed. So is, was that, was that what happened there that like you got a little bit more comfortable with, uh, doing different fonts to sort of emphasize characters' voices? Is, is that how that happened? Yeah, it really depends on the um, specific things you're talking about. First off, Jupiter, the main character, he speaks in a different font regardless. So he's going to have a different font than everybody, every other character. Um, and there were certain instances when I kind of took, I guess, more chances with the lettering. There is, there is kind of a, um, we're, we're talking about kind of a little bit, uh, we're getting into details here, but I, and specifically in my mind, there's one panel and you probably didn't even notice it, but there's one panel where the panel border is on an angle and, and I had a word balloon cut right up to that angle, uh, right, right up to that angle panel border. And I decided to angle the text along with the panel border, which I don't know if that's a huge no-no, but I don't really have text on a 45 degree angle like that, but I decided mm -hmm. to do that because I just said, screw it, it's my comic, I wanted to do it. <laughs> so, um, and I, I kind of, I had fun doing stuff like that. I know it, that kind of seems kind of nerdy that I'm having fun lettering my book and doing all these weird things, but, but yeah, it was, it, I kind of had a good time because they were, uh, I especially had a good time making the beast sound effects because he's got this weird, like, like, like weird, weird kind of, uh, roaring sound effects. So, so playing around with that and making that sound effect all weird and crazy was, was uh, probably my favorite part of the story. No, that's cool. And I think sometimes uh, there's like a, like a school of thought that like you, you have to learn the rules so that you can, uh, you can break the rules, which is kind of what it sounds like you did with that one panel where, you know, somebody might say, Hey, these always have to be this way. But um, in, like you knew that it should be that way, but with that certain circumstance, you're like, I'm going to break the rule right here because it fits and it makes it work better. So like, it seems like that might've been what you were doing there. 
I think you're giving me way too much credit. <laughs> yes, yes. I understood that that's how I was supposed to do it. I just didn't care. I kind of did the other way anyway. But I'm by no means have mastered any rules of lettering in order to feel uh, entitled to breaking. <laughs> so um, do you have any uh, future plans? Do you want to do you want to stick with the uh, the, the mythology or do you want to uh, branch off into any sort of other other stories you know I'm a little bit of a um, a multitasker and I kind of I work on too many too much stuff as once so I have a bunch of stuff that's kind of in development that are that are that's that are projects that are all at different stages stuff that I'm scripting stuff that um, lettering stuff that different pages are coming in so I'm all over the place with stuff that I'm working on as far as modern testament goes I'm calling these kind of loose projects that I'm crossing over with other people modern crossovers mm -hmm. that's not it's not really you know, like official name that's just what I'm calling it but I have a couple of modern crossovers that are that are that are in the works so this is by no means my last one and uh yeah it's mythology is cool man I mean there's a reason that these stories have lasted for so long and I say that time and time again it's because you can really transplant them. There's something universal about them and they've, they've kept their appeal because they really speak to us. And in many ways, these, the superhero stories that have been written over the past decades, they're kind of our modern mythology, everybody says. So maybe a hundred years from now, somebody will look back and try to, to, to reinvent Spider-Man for their time, way past 2099. <laughs> yeah, I, that's actually pretty interesting because, uh, I'll have discussions with uh, friends uh, that don't like comics, uh, but these are, you know, these are guys who have, you know, gone to school and, you know, they're, 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 they, they, they love mythology. And I'll, I'll tell them, I'm like, you know, there's not a lot of difference between, you know, your Greek myths and a, a Marvel comic. Like, uh, so like, I, I don't know why you, you, at time, well, not at times, but you, you, for lack of a better term, you look down your nose at a, at a Spider-Man comic, but you know, you love the, you know, the, you love the classics. Like there's not a lot of difference there. Do you, do, do you see that? Uh, yeah. And the thing is superhero stories, like anything else, can be depicted in many different ways. You know, there are, for instance, you have Harley Quinn in like Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad, that's a pretty dark movie. And then you got a Harley Quinn cartoon show on DC that's kind of wild and crazy too. So it's, so you have superhero stories that are kind of bumbly and they're kind of kid-like. And then you have superhero stories that are real drama and they're the real stakes and there's real, um, really great storytelling. It's not just kind of superhero, uh, beat them up stories. They kind of, they really invoke pathos in their characters and their plots and their, their themes. And yeah, if you give somebody the right, if they don't just, if they pick something up off the shelf and they don't know what it is, they might get something that doesn't appeal to them. But if you know somebody and what they're into, absolutely you can grab something that's gonna, that's gonna really touch them, affect them and that they're gonna be into. Very nice. So um, I have a couple of uh, crowdfunding uh, questions for you because this book is going to be um, going to, to, to Kickstarter um, pretty soon. Um, how many Kickstarters have you, have you run at to, to this point? Uh, five. 
five. Okay. And uh, so uh, is there anything that you've, that you've learned as, as you, as you've gone on? Take more Xanax. (laughs) 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 Um, Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general is, is kind of like anything else you get out of it, what you put into it. So People, I hear the, the age-old question is, what should I use? Well, should I use Kickstarter or should I use Indiegogo? Which one is better? And the answer to that is neither. It doesn't really matter what you use. It matters the, the, the campaign that you run. If you have an audience and you push it to people and you bring people to your campaign, it doesn't really matter. You can, you can start your own website if you, if you have have something that's active that's going to excite people that's going to drive them to it it's regardless it doesn't matter what kind of tool you're using as long as you're the one the driving factor that's doing the work and that's and getting people to pledge it's not going to happen automatically so true so so true and uh so you and I are members of a couple of common communities. Um, how much do you do you see the importance of of community when you're crowdfunding and being around uh, folks that are like minded and their 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 other creators? Like, how important is that to you? I think there it's 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 very important on multiple levels. It's not just like you can say, yeah, it's important to be part of a community because then you have other people that, that are sharing your projects around too. No, that's just, that, I mean, that might be one aspect of it, but it really goes deeper than that. Because when you hit, when you hit a, um, the dead zone in the middle of your campaign and you get really down in dumps when you don't have a backer for a day or two and you get really dejected when your funding goal is stalled, it's awesome to have people that are around you that are going to rally, that are going to, to, to pep you up and, and, and talk you into it and, and keep you going. That's just emotional support. That's another one. Uh, brainstorming, just having uh, other people get, feed you ideas and to give you tips and tricks to try to, to jumpstart some momentum. That's another one. There's just, just feedback as far as people looking at your campaign and just saying, look, how, am I missing something on my page? Can you look at it? How, how's the video looking? Just having another set of eyes. I mean, we could just go down the list over and over again. When, if you try to do this yourself, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You just, unless you are a huge name and you have a million Twitter followers and you just make one tweet and all of a sudden you're funded in, in 30 seconds, you're, you need people to really, to really help you along the way because you're just, you're going to be insane. I don't know just from watching Matt, but I know that, that, you know, yeah, you really need to have a good support group around during that time. And you need to have a good publisher that cares about your, your stuff as well. Sometimes. Yeah. Publishers are, are tricky because you get some publishers that the first thing that they tell you as soon as you sign with them is, uh, by the way, uh, we expect you to do the bulk of your marketing for all your books. Yes. Yeah. And then you have some publishers that are like, okay, this is our plan. Uh, we appreciate you to do this, this, and this. These are the ideas that we have that we're going to take up on our end that, that actually work with you rather than just dropping it on your shoulders and saying, ride, horsey. <laughs> yeah. We've had, that's, the, that's been my only experience of, outside of Matt 
uh, with uh, Kickstarter. So, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's the same thing with prose too. Honestly, it's the same thing with prose. Sometimes when you have a novel and publishers, you want to submit them, they ask for your social media handles because they want to see how big your following is, whether or not you're engaged with authors. What if you don't have an author website? It's like negative fifty points right off the top. Yeah. Because in this day and age, you you got to be connected with people. If you're not connected with people. Um, you got You can't just be a writer. You also got to be a salesperson, which is, I hate it. It's a sad reality, but it's, it's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I was talking to, I was talking to somebody the other day and I made the, I made the analogy that, uh, being, and it's not an analogy, but it's sort of being a, a comics creator. It's sort of like, uh, you're in public enemy. You're, 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 you're Chuck D you're, you're, you're the artist and you're, you're, you're flavor flavor. You're the hype man at the, at the same time. <laughs> it's definitely true. That's perfect. So, and it doesn't just stop with indies too. I have, um, a bunch of, a bunch of Marvel creators and DC creators that are on my, on my newsfeed and they're pushing their stuff every week too. Just like the rest of us. It doesn't mm -hmm. stop when you, when you hit a certain level. Yeah. yeah. Always got to be hustling. Yeah. Um, very cool. So this book is going to be coming out in a, a few days. As we're recording this, we're, we're sort of at the, at the, at the end of uh, March, and it's going to launch at the, at the beginning of April. Um, and uh, is there anything you want to tell the, the listeners as, as we close up here about the, about the story? Um. Well, we didn't we didn't talk about the last story because I thought I did something pretty cool with that. But the horse, oh, oh, yes. yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. Let's yeah, let's 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 cover that here. So the the last story, uh, we had Jupiter face off against the four horsemen, the apocalypse. And as we were started scripting the story, as we started writing it, um, Brayden and I were working out the din dynamics of how Jupiter will go about fighting this horseman. And we, we thought about what if he fights one, one of them just one-on-one, -on -one? like like one of the warriors, uh, horsemen step forward and it's like Jupiter versus horsemen. And we said, well, which one should we be? And then we decided, look, let's, how about we just pose the question to the audience and see what they want. So the idea that we came up with is for this Kickstarter, simultaneously we're running a poll, a Google poll to see uh, who people want to see Jupiter face off against, whether it's death, pestilence, um, actually, no, it's not pestilence. So it's death, conquest, war, and who's famine. One? Is it famine. famine? Yeah, famine. Yeah, they they always in in a bunch of stuff. They get rid of conquests and they switch conquests out with pestilence. I don't know why they do that, but in this one we brought conquest back. So it's conquest, famine, death, and war, and or or all four of them. We we had an option for that one. So we're kind of it's part of the Kickstarter campaign that people can go to this Google poll and and decide which one they want him to see, which I thought was kind of a cool thing that we we added. And you don't have to back to vote. If you say this this campaign is stupid, I don't want to back, but I I want to see I want to see Jupiter fight war. You can you can go and vote for him. Sweet. No, that's that's a that's a unique take, and it's almost uh, reminiscent of the. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about your age, but there there was a time where there was a uh, I guess a one eight hundred number where you could vote um, if if Robin was going to live or die. So you guys have sort of done the 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 modern uh, Kickstarter take on that there. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I have absolutely infamous uh, Jason Todd story. I actually yeah. just saw something Tom King just posted on his on his Facebook. He said, I was just looking through my death in the family um, trade. And on the back, there's a quote. Um, and it says, if they bring him back, that would be a really sleazy move. <laughs> Yeah, it was Denny O'Neill. That was Dennis O'Neill who wrote yeah, that I, quote. I, that, was, I, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was just funny that Tom King posted that of all people. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's also hilarious that well, but at the same time, if you've ever heard Dennis O'Neill talk, you're like, Yeah, of course he would say something like that. Also. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, that guy is he's hilarious. Um, but it's amazing that DC put that as their pull quote on the trade too. <laughs> this is, is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess it just shows that they didn't, they didn't really have very many people to quote, I guess. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I like, I mean, that's kind of what Kickstarter is about too. Campaign, crowdfunding, uh, uh, audience interaction, thinking outside the box, new and different things. Not that I'm that much of a trailblazer by doing this, but um, it was something new when I thought something different. And I'm excited to see how it all turns out. Yeah, and it's got to almost, uh, uh, for, are, are you and Braden going to um, work on that together once the decision's made? Because, like, that's got to, I'm assuming, like, in your head, you're like, you might be thinking of, like, different scenarios or, or different possibilities, but, like, you don't actually get to commit those to, to, to paper until till, till that vote is finished. We, I mean, we have the outcomes kind of outlined okay for the for the most part it's just i mean each horseman has a different two two things they have a different weapon and they have different i, I mean obviously they're all different so they have different uh, vernaculars i guess is the word you kind of would use so it's just a matter of transpond uh trans transponding no that's not the right word trying to swapping out the different characters for their weapons and mm -hmm. their lines so it's just and then but then that kind of throws everything out the window if they decide to use all of them so, so we'll see how we'll have to do and you know what it's it's a short story it's 10 uh 10 pages long two pages are already done they're they're part of the preview on the kickstarter page so um i'm not that worried about it and uh yeah no it's so i was actually thinking about it um uh the the readers are almost giving you or, or the readers slash backers are almost sort of uh giving you uh, like a like a choose your own adventure sort of uh uh ending here a little bit a little bit yeah i mean yeah the bottom line is if jupiter if jupiter loses the battle the ending's gonna be the same <laughs> either way so <laughs> but uh but yeah i am i'm kind of curious to see to see what they what they decide. I haven't looked at the poll since I, since I made it. So, and I, I've shared it. I've shared it around a bit. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what it comes up as. Very cool. So Noah, I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring the interview to to a close. Do you have any uh, any final thoughts as we uh, finish up here? No, no. It's just been a pleasure. Awesome. So, um, Frank, uh, why don't you let people know where they can uh, find you online? Um, and does the, uh, the does the Kickstarter have a page where people can click and sort of get that uh, notify me on on launch? It does. It does. I'd like the pre-launch page. I do have the pre-launch page up. Um, I don't really have any way to get to it, which is kind of unfortunate, but I'm going to be sharing Trust me. I'm going to be sharing around a bunch, obviously. 
And I have uh, all my social media handles are the same Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Frank the Writer, mm-hmm. which you can find me at. And uh, on my website, too, I got a bunch of stuff on there, which would be frankthewriter.com. And you have, a, you have a newsletter as well, right? I do. I have a bi monthly newsletter, mailing list newsletter that kind of goes out on the 14th, roughly the 14th and 28th of every month, just kind of yeah. talking about what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I I get those. Those are those are uh, those are good reads. I I enjoy those. Oh well, thank you for thank you for saying that. At least now I know I'm not kind of wasting my time. <laughs> no, no worries. So we'll have links to to all of your your social media uh, in our show notes, and definitely uh, on the first when you launch, uh, we'll we'll share the uh, we'll share the Kickstarter link there as well. I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. So, um, Frank, I want to thank you for, for being on. Uh, you and I have run in a lot of uh, the same circles for, for a couple of years, but it's been, um, you know, sort of online. But it's been great to, to talk to you and uh, hear a little bit about the, the creative process. It's been great talking to you guys. Awesome. So uh, anybody who would like to follow the podcast, we are on social media. We're on Twitter at Construct Compod, uh, Instagram at Constructing Comics Pod, uh, and we are on Facebook and YouTube Constructing Comics. And we'll be back with a, another episode very soon. I'd like to thank everybody for listening and everybody be safe.